Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We love exciting new directions and we love shaking up the status quo. This is a great, exciting day. The Future of Business is back live on the air. We've waited a couple of years to get the series back. And today is the day. So a quick shout out to Shannon Platts and April Caldwell and Erica Lelhakar at SAP for putting this together. Now let's officially welcome you. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place because this is where the best run. Let me give you an overview of what we're going to be talking about today and then I'm going to have my three experts on the panel introduce themselves. How about that? So I found a quote from uh, Judith Aquino, a senior writer at, let's see, ttec.com. And she was doing an interview with Brian Solis, the digital analyst, speaker, and author. And here is what she said in the introduction to her interview. She says, listen up, products don't define a brand, experiences do. Such is the reality of modern business, where people are connected to a constant flow of information and are defining brands based on what they experience and share. Simply put, brands are increasingly defined by those who experience them, unquote. Just let that sink in. That's what we're going to be talking about today. So your company, wherever you are in the world, whatever you do, however long you've been in business, your industry, your footprint, your experience, if your market is small and local... Eh, that's not too easy to do anymore. Everything is global. You need to survive today. The marketplace is vast. The industry lines are blurring. And you've got to be around and be competitive if you want to be here tomorrow. So we have a simple formula for that survival. Convert your customers into fans. Just think about that. Transform your services and products into obsessions, the good kind. Turn your brands into icon so everybody instantly knows what they are and empower your employees to become your ambassadors. That's a lot to take in and we have three experts. So let me introduce them one at a time and have them just in their own voice tell us who they are and then we will start with their opening quotes. First, I'm welcoming Dr. Stefan Winkler, the co-founder at Opsis. Stefan, welcome and tell us just a little bit about who you are, what you do and what Opsis is. Go ahead. Yes. Hi, Bonnie. Uh, Glad to be on the show. I'm uh, I'm a researcher and entrepreneur. Um, I've done a lot of work on uh, image analysis, uh, computer vision, and uh, more recently I've uh, founded a company called Opsis, and uh, we're essentially in the business of measuring emotions from facial expressions and other nonverbal cues that people make. And uh, one of the applications of this is, of course, in customer experience. And so we're very excited to to share our experiences on using this technology for this purpose. Thank you, Dr. Stefan Winkler. Very, very happy to have you here. We'll talk to you a lot during the show. Let's go to our second panelist, J.J. Delgado, Global Chief Digital Officer at Estrella de Galicia. I hope I said that right. J.J., welcome to the show, and please tell us about yourself. Hello, Bonnie. Nice to be in the show, and uh, hello to everybody. So, yes, you pronounce it uh, very well. It can be better. It's uh, Estrella Galicia. I'm the global CTO of Estrella Galicia and ex-head of Amazon Marketing Services for the South of Europe. So most of my life I was working in uh, trying to do digital business 
And uh, since uh, the last few years, I'm trying to disrupt traditional industries like uh, the current one, uh, selling beer worldwide. So I'm uh, very familiar to disruptive technology and trying to to find new ways of uh, making business. Thank you very much, JJ. We're very pleased to have you. We're going to hear a lot more from you. And we have our third panelist is Erica Lael Hakar. She says I pronounced it correctly. It's not a difficult one, Erica. You won't believe some of the names I pronounce. She is working in the partner ecosystem of solutions at SAP. Erica, welcome. Thank you for putting this wonderful panel together. And tell us what you do and who you are, Erica. Thanks for having us, Bonnie. So I am working at SAP, responsible for developing the SAP partner ecosystem of um, solution providers and independent software vendors that build and innovate with us and build with SAP technology. So this is, um, this is a space that is growing enormously, and this topic is very dear and near to all of us uh, because this is something that we're seeing uh, that is, that is happening in, in the market as a, as a very big trend. So I'm looking forward to discussing more in the next 15 minutes. Thank you very much, Erica. And again, thanks for your work putting this together. Well, let's go to the opening quotes my panelists have sent me. Dr. Stefan Winkler at Opsis is first, and he has sent me a quote from H.R. Haldeman. Those of you who remember back in the days when Richard Nixon was and then wasn't the president of the U.S. and the Watergate scandal, well, H.R., Harry Robbins, Bob Haldeman, who lived from 1926 to 1993, was an American political aide and businessman, White House chief of staff to Nixon, and he was involved in Watergate and actually went to prison after he left the administration. He was in prison for 18 months. It's interesting history. If you're too young to remember, I was actually around Stefan, and I watched the Watergate hearings on TV every day after school. This probably says a lot about my age. Of course, I was very grown up at the time. Here is the quote Stefan has selected. This is a good one. Uh, The quote directly is, we are getting into semantics again. If we use words... There is a very grave danger they will be misinterpreted. <laughs> I love that. It sounds like pleading the fifth. Stefan, please tell us how you picked this quote and how does it relate to our topic today. Go ahead. Right, right. It's one of the quotes I kind of like, even though the the, uh, the person who said it, you know, Bob Haldeman, clearly uh, was a, a controversial figure, to say the least. <laughs> but um, the, the way I think about it is... Um, you know, when we talk about uh, something in communication with others, and that is especially true for our experiences, then the words that we use only convey a small part of the, the things we actually mean that we want to convey, that we want to, uh, to share with the other person. And uh, so uh, his statement says it well, you know, if you use words, there's a grave danger will be misunderstood. So we, we're in the business of measuring uh, experiences of measuring emotions, of measuring expressions. And so we go beyond what people say, uh, which can be uh, you know, misleading, can be uh, slow and cumbersome sometimes, and uh, really looking at trying to understand um, uh, the, the emotions, the, the full experience of people uh, as they have it. And uh, that's why we look at uh, emotions. And uh, research has actually shown that the you know body language, the the facial expressions, uh, even the tone in the voice, 
convey a, a much larger share of the, the overall uh, emotions and are extremely important in our communication, uh, whereas with words, we're, of course, restricted to, to the actual things that we speak. And so when we, when we measure emotions, when we measure experiences, this is what we like to keep in mind. And this is also why we created this company that focuses on this uh, area and, and technology. Very interesting. Stefan, as, as I reflect on the advent, the coming of age of social media, not only are we trying to use words without the emotions behind them, I'm not talking about Instagram where you can put pictures and video sites, I'm talking about Twitter specifically, which is where I promote these shows, and I'm tweeting right now, you are restricted to a certain number of characters. So words, if we use words as a danger, they will be misinterpreted. Is that anywhere more obvious than on Twitter where you have a limited number of characters to convey an entire thought and hope people get it? Stefan, just a quick thought. What do you think? about that that's certainly true and i think that's one of the reasons uh, people created emoticons right to help us yes understand what we're actually trying to say and uh you know i, I use them myself quite a lot uh, and uh, yet i'm still misunderstood uh, occasionally so it's, <laughs> it's very difficult to convey a message just just in words Thank you very much. In person, still rocks. The phone is still not too bad. Thank you. A lot more coming from you. Let's move to our second panelist, J.J. Delgado, and at Estrella de Galicia. I still hope I'm doing that right. And J.J. has a wonderful quote from Jeff Bezos. I don't know if there's anybody in the world who doesn't know, but I'll give you a little background. Jeffrey Preston Bezos. He was actually born Jeffrey Preston Jorgensen. I didn't know that. Very much alive and well, born in 1964. American tech entrepreneur, investor, philanthropist, Guess what? He's the founder, chairman, CEO, and president of Amazon. And in 2017, he became the world's wealthiest person when his estimated net worth increased to just over, wait for it, $90 billion. And then he surpassed $100 billion in November 2017. And then $112 billion. It just keeps going up, JJ. Here is the quote. And JJ has a special reason for picking this quote, which he'll tell us. Jeff Bezos said, it is still day one. J.J. Delgado, talk to me. What is this all about? Yes, uh, so this quote is uh, something that I heard from uh, from Jeff so many times when I was working for Amazon. And uh, it's a very short uh, quote. It's only saying, like, it's a still day one, but it means a lot of things. Uh, first, it means that um, this is a culture that we live Inside Amazon, we even, uh, it's a 20 years old company that is quite new, but it's already 20 years old and it's a huge company. But the feeling that it's inside the, the teams and the whole organization is that we are just starting. So it's still everything to be done. And the, the mindset that we shared all of us, it's, uh, it's like, it's a still day one. We have to start uh, everything from scratch. And, uh, it's true that when I asked to Jeff uh, what it's uh, about the, the day two, what is happening in the day two, and it's a very nice answer from him that I'm saying, like, uh, the day two is uh, the first day for uh, dying because it's true that uh, as soon as you believe that uh, uh, something is done or something is finished or something is already mature, is the first stage for starting a decline. So this is something that I'm trying to... To, to expand to all the traditional companies that I'm uh, advising and working right now, this feeling and this mindset of uh, starting everything uh, every single day that you are coming to work. Thank you very much. Very, very interesting. It's, it's such a packed quote, JJ. Just those one, two, three, four, five words. It is still day one. 
I think you could use it for anybody anywhere. Do you agree? It, saying to a child who's trying to learn how to walk, it's still day one. You've got a ways to go. Let's try it again. Saying to somebody trying to learn a new language, saying to somebody new to a business where you need them to embrace a new culture or, or a process, it is still day one, meaning let, let's, let's get it right. Uh, do you use this in your everyday life, JJ? Have you quoted this to, to people in your life? Absolutely, absolutely. Especially, uh, well, you can use it both professionally and personal uh, life. Yeah. But in professional context, I'm using a lot. Like, uh, come on, guys, uh, especially to my team. Like, come on, guys, it's a still day one. We have a lot of things to do. We have to disrupt uh, the whole industry. So uh, everything is still to be done. So for sure. Very well put. Uh, it's a very short quote, so you can put it in, a, in the T-shirt. I, I get a t-shirt. I always say you can crochet it on the side of a pillow somewhere, or you could could write it on a wall somewhere. I, I think it's a really cool quote. Thank you so much for that. We really appreciate it. And now we're going to move one more spot around the table to Erica Leal Hakar, and she has sent us a quote. Erica, the movie The Matrix is getting so popular again. I think you're the third person in two weeks on Game Changers Radio to send me a quote from The Matrix. We've got one set up for next week. We had one last week. This is you're the second out of three. It's amazing. I never saw it. But for those of you who don't know, The Matrix is a 1999 film about a computer hacker who learns from mysterious rebels about the true nature of his reality and his role in the war against the controllers of it. And this quote is, let's see, um, it is from Trinity. That's all I'm going to say. Here's the quote Erica has selected. The answer is out there, Neo. It's looking for you. And it will find you if you want it to. Erica, talk to me. You a big fan of The Matrix? Um, I am. I remember I loved the movie when the movie came out. And the reason why, why I chose this quote was because, um, you know, thinking about the topic that we are talking about today, really, customers are speaking. Uh, but a lot of companies are really not listening to their voices. So, so... There, there's, there's, there are a lot of um, information out there that uh, you know businesses are not paying attention to today. So I need, you know, there's, there's a big chasm between what customers expect of businesses versus what they're getting from those companies they, they purchase from or, or they, they get services from. Um, but um, it, it, it. Just requires for companies to stop and listen. Listen to what your customers are, are saying, um, uh, and you will learn a lot about them so that you can improve that customer experience. Very interesting. Erica, do you agree with what we were talking about with Stefan Winkler just a few minutes ago uh, in terms of, well, when you, when you think of the answers, you think of a question and a response, right? And when you think of the fact that we've got social media and, and our words are out there, the words about brands, we're talking about brands, the experience of brands today for the future of business. Uh, do you think that the answer is out there for brands in terms of providing a great customer experience that will then define the brand in the customer's own words. Do you think this is doable or is this a huge challenge that's going to be hard for most companies? What's your thought? My thought is it's definitely a big challenge for companies because this is a, it, it, experience is, is, is a complex topic, uh, but there, um, there are 
a lot of places where companies can start in, in one way is by listening to the, their customers. And not only uh, because usually companies like to listen a lot are their most happy, happier customers, but you know, look around to become the customers that last you. Look around at the, you know, your worst performer customers or, uh, and, you know, there are a lot of answers that can be found just by having a broader look at uh, your your customer ecosystem and and double clicking on the experiences without jumping into conclusions that are driven by operational data. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Great topic. Thank you, all three of you, for your opening quotes. Let's just quickly do a, a quick personal round of where you're calling from today. Or I think you all called us. I know you're all over the world today, although one of you is in the U.S., but not originally from. And uh, just tell me quickly, what is your favorite drink that makes you happy to wake up? or happy to go to sleep, whichever end of the day. So Dr. Stefan Winkler at Opsis, where are you calling us from? What time of the day or night is it? What's your favorite beverage? Let's just make this a quick around-the-table lightning round. All right. Well, I'm based in Singapore. I've been here for about 15 years now. And uh, I'm uh, in Singapore. It's actually uh, past uh, 10 in the evening. So I'm looking at a glass of wine. Uh, it's an Austrian wine. Um, that's where I'm from originally. So whenever I go back, I uh, like to bring back a few bottles. I'm from a, a wine-growing region. <laughs> and um, the, there's a lot of uh, what's called the Grüner Veltliner there, actually. It's a white wine. It's quite fresh. So I like to drink that occasionally, and uh, I do that today as well. Thank you very much. Thank you for staying up late for us, Stefan. We really appreciate that. I didn't know you're Austrian, no so we've got a, an Austrian in Singapore. That's that's very global of you. Very interesting. And now, JJ Delgado, where are you today, JJ? And what do you love to drink? So today I'm here in uh, in Madrid, in Spain. Uh, so it's four twenty p.m. Uh, right now. Having a, a coffee, but uh, to be honest, if I close my eyes, I just came from uh, Peru last week. And uh, usually at this point of time, I used to drink uh, Pisco Sour. I don't know, I don't know if you know about this, uh, this drink, but it's very famous there in Peru. Did and you say whiskey uh, sour? Uh, well, tell me the name of the drink again. Pisco, Pisco Sour. Pisco, Pisco Sour. No, tell me about it. Yeah, what is it? It's a typical uh, Peruvian uh, liquor. It combined with different uh, soft drinks like uh, mango, for example, or you can take one of uh, watermelon. So my favorite is the one with uh, mango, and uh, especially after uh, having lunch to have a pisco shower that can just make you digest much better. Very interesting. Thank you very much. I like that. I was thinking of whiskey sour. You said, are you familiar with this drink? When I was growing up, my, mo- my mom and dad used to drink whiskey sours at cocktail parties. There was a whiskey sour mix, and I think you put sugar around the rim of the cocktail glass, and then you added the mix to whatever the whiskey was. And it was always a little bit strong for me, even as a teenager. I, I don't know whatever happened to that drink. I'll have to see if anybody's drinking it anymore. Thank you. Erica, I know you're in the U.S. today, but where, where do you hail from, as the statement goes, and tell us what your favorite beverage is? I, I am usually based in France, in the beautiful city of Paris, although today I'm calling from gray Philadelphia. 
And uh, my favorite drink is um, is, is, is wine, um, just like Estefan. And uh, um, I like I like robust, bold wines. They're uh, they complex. I like like the complexity of the 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 perfume of the wine. And uh, one particular one that I recently discovered that it got really my attention is orange wine. And mm. it's not made of oranges, and it's not a cocktail. But also, or, orange wine is a type of white wine, actually, that is, is, is made in a special way, leaving the grape skins um, in contact with the juice. Uh, so it, um, well, it creates the, this deep orange color in, in the product, but mm. also it gives it a... a, a, a taste that is very different from the regular white wines that um, you know we're used to drinking. So um, if you you know if, if if you like to be surprised by wine, I think you know you should definitely uh, try try it. It's, it's very interesting flavor of wine. So it's orange wine. I looked it up. Orange wine is a type of white wine made by leaving the grape skins and seeds in contact with the juice, creating a deep orange hued finished product. That's the one, right, Erica? Yeah, that's the one. Very interesting. I just looked it up. Orange one. What? It, it has its own Wikipedia page. Can you believe it? Yes, it's a white style of wine made from white grapes, fermented with the skins, giving it an amber or orange color. And then they, they even have a website with a title: Eight Questions About Orange Wine You're Too Embarrassed to Ask. I'm just going to leave that one alone. Very interesting. Thank you very, very much. Okay, so now we're going to find out what I'm doing and where I am. I'm in Durham, North Carolina. I moved here a year and a half ago from Long Island, New York, where I spent the last 32 years. And I have two live radio shows today, an hour apart. The second one is an hour after we're off the air. And so I'm not allowed to drink anything with caffeine on radio show days. And I think you all three of you know why. But you know what? It's time for us to take a break. So whatever you're sipping, Stefan, JJ, and Erica, go ahead and quietly have a sip because we're going to take a quick break and I'm going to say to our listeners, don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. However you found us, we're welcoming you and again, we're excited to relaunch our series from a couple of years ago. Um, Let's see who it was. Uh, Dave Fowler at SAP sponsored the series, and now Shannon Platts at SAP has taken it over with the help of April Caldwell. I know Erica uh, Lail Hakkar has helped with this particular show. So this is the future of business with Game Changers Radio, and these topics are important. Today, we're talking about the new face of business, the customer experience. Is the customer the one who's going to be defining your brand? It looks like it. Stick around, and we'll find out more. Erin, out. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Factors as diverse as business simplification, insights from growing volumes of data, the new global pool of talent, resource scarcity, 
business networks and supply chains, and the ever-present need for speed are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. The Future of Business with Game Changers is presented by SAP Services. Visit www.sap.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to The Future of Business with Game Changers. Yes, indeed. Welcome back. Future Business with Game Changers, officially episode number one even though the series was on air with us a few years ago. We're talking about the new face of business, the customer experience. And in fact, we could have named the episode The New Face of Your Brand, The Customer Experience. I'm on today with three experts, Dr. Stefan Winkler at Opsis, J.J. Delgado at Estrella de Galicia, and Erica Lelhakar at SAP. I'm working hard on the pronunciation. So we're going to start the roundtable with Dr. Stefan Winkler. And here's what Stefan told me before the show. Interesting. He says, Surveys are the traditional approach for capturing emotions data. The problem is they are infrequent, incomplete, and often insincere. Stefan, tell us about the state of the art of surveys today and how it relates to customer experience. Go ahead, please. All right. Well, uh, I'm not sure there's a state of the art in surveys. In fact, that's what we are trying to uh, do away with. I think, um, you know, you're... you're, um, uh, almost confronted with surveys uh, wherever you go, uh, at least yeah. that's the case in Singapore. You know, often uh, even uh, in in the toilet nowadays, uh, they want you to fill out a, a little survey form. <laughs> how uh, how happy you are with the experience? I'm, I'm so, sorry, you got to give know. me a second to respond to that one. <laughs> I never expected that. Okay, now you can continue, Stefan. Go ahead. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah, you should come here and try it out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, so anyway, no. you know, in general, when you want to, to find out uh, how people really feel about your brand and their experience with you, your products uh, and, and how, how they use them, uh, surveys have obvious limitations, right? You can only do surveys uh, so many times before people get uh, bored or frustrated. Um, so it's very infrequent data. It's also incomplete. You know, people uh, may ignore it, uh, may uh, just pass you by or not fill out uh, the whole thing. And uh, the, the worst thing is that people may not be sincere, right? So they may just fill out something because they want mm-hmm. to please you or they want uh, to get it done with you know, <laughs> and get away from you, um, whatever the situation may be. So uh, it's, it's a little bit intrusive, right? And uh, you always have to stop people and people have to start thinking about, okay, so what's my experience been and, and try to put that into words and, and numbers maybe. So we're trying to uh, do away with surveys uh, with uh, some of the technology that, that we've been working on. 
And so what we use, uh, as I said, is uh, uh, video technology mostly, uh, and also looking at uh, part of the audio uh, domain as well, where we can measure people's reaction uh, very uh, nicely, very quickly, right? So we essentially use a camera um, and we, we gather the expressions on people's faces. We uh, look at their behavior. We look at their reactions and so on. And so we can um, immediately capture how they feel, how they react to something. Um, this includes, you know, the emotions, but also how, how happy they are with something, how pleased, how much they enjoy doing something, how much they enjoy their experience. Uh, it's not intrusive in the sense that, you know, you don't have to ask them anything. You know, it's just naturally captured. And so you, know, you also are able to capture their, their genuine experience, right? It's not uh, something they have to think about. It's just something they express naturally when they experience a product. And uh, it can be very precise and also very fine-grained because you can measure uh, a lot of people uh, very easily, uh, concurrently, and in real time. So this is, uh, I think, a new way of looking at uh, customer experience measurement and, um, you know, we can talk about some of the applications that allows or some of the use cases in that space as well. But uh, I'll leave it at that for now. Okay, that's fine. And I do want you to give us a use case. I think that'll be helpful. You know what? Give us a little tiny use case, and then we'll have J.J. Delgado and Erica respond to the use case now that we've established that they exist and how they're used. Give us an example, a, a real-world example, if you would, Stefan, and then we'll go around the table, if that's okay with you. Sure, no problem. So uh, one use case is digital signage. It's a very typical use case, actually, uh, where you have um, essentially a, a TV standing in a, in a place where a lot of people pass by, either indoors or outdoors in a shopping mall or a bus stop or something. And often they will also have a camera inside, and they will show you ads or trailers or uh, mm-hmm. different types of marketing messages, right? Yep. And so uh, what uh, we can do is gather the audience feedback uh, to these to these ads, uh, to these products, to these trailers immediately, right? So we can look at how do people react when a certain ad is shown and then uh, measure and analyze this data. Interesting, interesting. J.J. Delgado, please respond. Agree or disagree, like or dislike, what's your thought? Yes, yes Stefan, I think it's a very, very nice example. And uh, I agree with you, I cannot agree more with you uh, that uh, surveys are completely obsolete especially for measuring emotions. We all know that uh, the emotion is uh, the key element for connecting to the potential customers or users or whatever. And uh, the way of understanding how they, they, they use our products and how our products affect uh, their emotions, it's a key as a marketer. I'm a big fan of uh, neuromarketing, that is uh, this uh, science that uh, analyzes the way the brain is uh, perceiving uh, emotions and uh, stimuli in general. There are different techniques like uh, headsets or eye tracking or whatever. So video analysis can be a very, very interesting one. I'm quite uh, curious if, uh, Stefan, if uh, with this technique we can understand if uh, people that are drinking beer are uh, happier than uh, these ones that are not. Thank you very much. Erica, thoughts? Video, what do you think? Video interviews, video um, capturing in, emotions. Mm-hmm. One of, one of the, the, the key words that Stefan said was uh, about frequency and, and how important is uh, when we're looking at you know, building remarkable experience, how important is to be able to 
read this this customer science in, in real time. Uh, you know, it's not once a month or, or once a year that a, a companies uh, need to go back to the customers. So uh, video is, 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 is a great way of doing it uh, because it's not invasive and it can be real time. Um, but also, you know, there are other capabilities as well, like you know, doing sentiment sentiment analysis to to understand and analyze, you know, what, what customers are, are, are writing and are saying about your brand on social media, for example, doing all that social listening and, and combining all that um, inf- information to really go to the, the rut of, you know, what is it that customers love about your brand and what which other type of things that, that hate and that they may make, push them to go and choose someone else, not because they don't like your product, but because they don't like the experience of, you know, work, working with you or, or working with, um, with your solution. So this is very, very interesting and powerful topic. It is. Thank you. Stefan Winkler, we've had some interesting comments from your co-panelists. Anything you want to respond to them or add? Because I'm ready to move on, but I want to hear your comments, please. No, yes, of course. Uh, JJ asked uh, if we can use it to measure how happy customers are with their beer. <laughs> and, uh, uh, of course, the, the answer is yes, right? So we have some customers that use it exactly in this way. They do product trials or, or focus groups, and then uh, they use this technology to immediately measure their reaction to uh, a new flavor or a, a new brand or a new type of packaging that uh, they use on their products and um, uh, capture that data. Thank you very much. Good, good around. Did I hear JJ say something? Was that you? No, it is very, very interesting. Yeah, very interesting. And JJ, you're up next, and I've picked something from your list, JJ Delgado. This is interesting, very interesting. You say companies do not want to be digital. They want to grow as digital companies. They want to be flexible, innovative, and agile. And here's the kicker to this line. You say it means they want to be startups again. I love this because we're talking about the new face of business customer experience. So let's relate this to our topic, JJ. What does this mean for a brand if they want to be innovative, flexible, agile, and they want to act like a startup again? What what does this have to do with their brand? Talk to me. Yeah, because uh, most of the companies, especially traditional companies, are uh, looking for the digital transformation or what, uh, whatever they call or understand about uh, digital transformation. But if you go deeper, uh, you know that um, they don't want to be digital. They, they want to be as a startup. They want to be innovative. They want to be quick. They want to have, like, talent uh, employees or motivated because uh, so many times traditional companies has uh, people very talented but they are not motivated uh, for uh, doing their job. Uh, on the other hand, the startups are uh, completely completely opposite. They are happy, they, they try to build a business, they try to build something different and when you open uh, the space of your uh, employees and uh, you allow them to innovate by themselves, you provide them the context to 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 find new ways of understanding business, it's uh, then when uh, magic happens. And uh, for me, it's everything about that. If you want to build like uh, proper brands, you want you want to build like exciting uh, experiences for your uh, customers or even uh, your users if they are not paying for your services. It's mainly about uh, motivate your employees and providing them the, the right tools or uh, innovate by themselves. 
So I think this statement uh, summarizes very well what I am, I think about uh, what we are living in nowadays. Thank you very much. Erica, join us. Thoughts about this? Companies do not want to be digital. They want to grow as digital companies. And how do you feel this relates to the new face of the brand, meaning the customer experience? Erica? And uh, how I feel about it is, I mean, and I totally agree with um, what Jay Jay is is saying, uh, is that... uh, Traditional companies are, are are looking to see how uh, you know how to best innovate and how to um, how to best reinvent themselves so that they're going to be still relevant five years from now or ten mm-hmm. years from, from now and that they're not going to be disrupted and taken out of business but um, another player and um, and this this means looking at all of the dimension of the business, not only uh, just the customer experience, but um, quite often you, that to provide an amazing customer experience, experience, you need to look at inside your own world and how is the experience that you provide to your own employees and how is the, the culture that you're building inside the organization um, to really uh, promote innovation at every level within the organization. And that, that startup mindset of you know, staying curious, uh, always challenging the status quo, and, um, and always looking for you know, how you can do things different so that you can uh, make, um, make everything, every day a special day for your customers. Oh, I like that. Make every day a special day for your customers. What a, you know something? That goes right back to the quote that JJ Delgado shared from Jeff Bezos. It is still day one, right? JJ, do you agree with what she just said? Is that more powerful than we could? Erica, that was beautiful. (laughs) JJ, comments on that? Yeah, absolutely. I think. the key thing for uh, encourage your employees to be innovative is to cultivate the entrepreneurial spirit in your team. So it's something that I always say, and I don't want uh, workers on my team. I want uh, entrepreneurs. So you have like a team full of entrepreneurs, then magic will happen uh, for sure. Thank you. And Stefan Winkler, we want to get you in on this thoughts. We've got an interesting conversation going here. Stefan, join us, please. Yes, indeed. I think um, a different way to look at it is actually that, um, you know, startups are very customer-driven, right? They're very Mm customer-centric because uh, the customers is where the money comes from and without it, they cannot survive. So they create new experiences for customers and um, they, um, you know, almost, um, you know, religiously uh, do what the customers want. And uh, I think this is sometimes lost as companies become larger and more established, right? And so um, I know many companies also uh, want to go back to being a startup again or at least encouraging the culture. But um, I think it's, it's hard to do, right? It's hard to do for an established company to actually keep such a culture alive and um, keep that, that customer-centric thinking in every employee's mind. Um, not many succeed, I think. And so there's still a lot of, of work to be done, I think, uh, in terms of how can you cultivate that spirit in your employees and how can you keep that startup uh, culture alive. 
Thank you very much. I'm going to move on. Um, JJ, I'm going to move on because we've already gotten your response to Erica, if that's okay with you. Erica, you sent me a very interesting statement here. I, I could have actually opened the show with it. You say customer experience is the new battleground. The race is on. Customers want a remarkable experience, and companies that don't offer that will not be able to survive. And then they say you can only build an iconic brand if you deliver experience, I'm sorry, superior customer experience consistently. Erica, why don't you just talk to us a little bit about how, how we need to emphasize that, how companies need to embrace this mantra, or poof, they might be gone. Erica? Um, yes, and, and nowadays customers vote, vote with their feet, really. So when, when, when they're not happy with the product or the service, it's very easy for customers to switch and, and go to another brand. So, and, uh, in the organizations agree that the, the traditional experiences and, are, are no long, longer satisfying for, for the customer. And it is interesting because now, you know, we talk a lot about digital transformation and, and technology and the power that technology has to, to transform businesses. Uh, but it, it's, it's interesting that even we're seeing today that um, industries where they're really advanced in the use of technologies, that they don't provide uh, amazing customer experiences. So, uh, let me give you an example. I, I travel mm-hmm. a, a lot internationally for business, for pleasure, and I've been doing that for, for more than 20 years. And despite all of the advancements that are happening in technology in, in, in this space, I still think that the experience of you know, flying is as bad as it was a decade ago. So, <laughs> and, um, and it's terrible. And sometimes I think you know, food is definitely getting worse in, in airplanes. But so the, the operational aspects of you know, this business, this industry, they have improved enormously. But definitely, when you look at the experience, there are things that uh, you know, the, the companies are, are, are not uh, addressing. And, you know, today I don't have a, 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 another uh, as fast way to, to come from Europe to Philadelphia. You know, I had to take a plane, but if you, one day I was presented with another alternative that was giving me a better experience, well, mm-hmm. I would choose to um, you know, try something else. So, and this is happening in every industry. Voting on with your feet, exactly. Very well put. Let's go around the table. Dr. Stefan Winkler, please respond. Agree or disagree? Anything you'd like to add to what Erica said? We'd love a case study or a personal experience. What do you think? Well, I 100% agree on the air travel. <laughs> I think, um, you know, everybody can uh, can share that experience. Uh, I think, uh, you know, it's uh, not only as bad as 10 years ago, it has certainly uh, gotten worse. I think in that case, you know, the customer experience is not so much in focus, but uh, people don't vote with the customer experience uh, necessarily, but um, they vote based on price. So it might be a a special industry that, um, uh, you know, where where customer experience is unfortunately not the focus, you know, for the detriment of of many of us. But uh, I think an interesting aspect of this is that, as uh, Erica mentioned, um, you know, operational aspects have been optimized a lot in this industry, right? And so people do use a lot of technology, a lot of tools to um, provide a better running business um, for their clients. But when that happens, you know, sometimes the customer experience is forgotten 
or not put into the foreground. And I think it's a, it's a common theme with technology that we sometimes you know, fall in love with the technology or, or uh, develop a technology for the purpose of uh, improving uh, you know, a process or a model or a machine, but we forget about the user, the design, the experience that the user has with that product. And uh, that is, of course, uh, ultimately the most important. Very interesting. Thank you very much. J.J. Delgado, join us. Thoughts about what Erica said. Customer experience is the new battleground. Erica, I should have named the episode exactly that. What a fabulous line. <laughs> Go ahead, J.J., talk to us. Your thoughts, your experiences, please. Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, Strong uh, customer experiences is the key for for winning uh, now in the in business. Um, it has changed dramatically the way brands uh, relate with uh, and engage with customers. Like uh, when I talk to to several uh, marketing directors, they, they they believe that they own uh, the brand and they own the, the communication with the customers. But it's not uh, like that any longer. Like uh, since uh, social media came to our life, uh, the power of the brand is uh, in, the, in, in the customers. So the only way uh, that we can uh, influence this uh, perception and this, this conversation that are happening in social media is uh, doing a strong uh, and iconic uh, customer experiences. Thank so you very sure much. It's a, it's a tool that, uh, yeah. that we need. It, it definitely is. As, as the three of you are speaking, I'm thinking of an industry where it's hard to do this, no matter how hard you try. I'm thinking of the food industry. I'm also thinking of the movie industry, where everything is subjective. Think about this. You go to a beautiful restaurant. The waiter is fabulous. The tableware is beautiful. The music is great. And you just don't like the food. It was too hot. It was too cold. It was too spicy. You ordered the wrong thing. And you go out and leave a bad review on Yelp. There's nothing that's going to change that. So let's just go around the table. Erica, I'll start with you. Any any thoughts or advice when you want to be iconic? Yes, it's a great restaurant. Everybody wants to go there but I had a really terrible dinner there. I'm not talking about me, but I have been confronted with that. Uh, several years ago in New York, my boyfriend and I wanted to go to a certain restaurant with two other couples, and we proposed the restaurant. And one of the couples responded that the woman had just read on Yelp 37 bad reviews for the restaurant. And I said, but I was there two weeks ago, and it was wonderful. And she said, I don't care. Yelp rocks. That's, I, I said, but I'm a real person and I'm talking. She said, I don't care. It got bad reviews on Yelp. I'm not going there. So Erica, th- thoughts about the survival of brands and customer experience and movies. You, you never know if somebody likes a movie. They hate a movie. And I hated the movie. I'm not, I don't recommend it to anybody. So just a quick thought on, on a reality check. Let's just make this a quick round around the table, a minute each. Erica, thoughts on how the food industry can become iconic and turn its customers into brand evangelists if it depends on how you like your dinner. Erica, then Stefan, then JJ. Go ahead. So, and to me, the, the key word is personalization. And it's not only in the food industry, but in every industry, the reality is that, yes, experiences change from, from person to, to person. That's you know, something that will please me, may not please someone else. So, uh, and that's you know, the challenge to companies that they need to develop 
um, experiences that can be personalized. And, and for that, well, you, you need to know about your, your customers. You need to know about, you know, who's coming to your, your restaurant if possible uh, ahead, uh, ahead of time. If, if not, you know, in the, 30 seconds conversation that you, you know, the, your waitress is having with the guest sitting around the table. You know, can they get uh, enough information and actually use that information to personalize the experience and make it amazing? I think it comes down to, to that. Thank you. Interesting. Dr. Stefan Winkler talking about emotions and food. What's your thought about help for the food industry in terms of making a customer experience great no matter what? Is there hope? <laughs> well, I think Erica hit the nail on the head already. You know, personalization is really the key. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, you could be in the most uh, romantic place or the fanciest restaurant and uh, you're in a bad mood that day or that evening and, um, uh, you know, you just won't won't like the food, you won't like the service, um, even though, you know, uh, from an objective standpoint, it's good. So I think it's it's really important to to adapt to the customer and their their um, their needs, their experience, their behavior at any given point in time, and so I think uh, that's also why you know um, the the measurement of of their uh, their states, right, uh, their feelings or the the interpretation of that can be very helpful because you know uh, if somebody's in a bad mood, maybe I can do something to cheer them up, you know, give them a little special uh, food item from the menu or a little uh, drink to get them started. Uh, that that might already make them happier and and um, turn uh, turn a possibly bad experience into a in, into a good one. I like that. And I, uh, uh, Stefan, I was at a restaurant recently where I ordered something wonderful, but it came out really really salty. I like salt, but it was a little bit over the top. Well, the chef was late at night. We were the last customers. The chef came out of the kitchen. Very nice man. He came over and said, "How did you like your dinner?" And I said, "Do you want my honest answer?" He said, "Yes, please." And I said, "Little heavy on the salt inside the sauce or whatever." was and he said oh thank you for telling me i think the crust we put when we baked the salmon probably stayed on too long i will adjust that thank you for coming and i appreciate it you know what that was a good experience for me because he cared enough to come out talk directly to the customer welcome the feedback he didn't get defensive so i thought that and i am going back there absolutely uh, let's we just have time for a comment from jj delgado on what do you think what we're talking about food industry is there any yeah, hope that, yeah i think uh, as well like personalization it's uh, it's a key right now and uh, with a digital context and the technology that we have now, uh, yeah, there are unlimited possibilities for uh, personalize your uh, value proposition for each of the customers. So even um, even the flavor of each of the, the things and the dishes, etc., can be personalized for each of the customers. And that combined to the research that we were talking at the very beginning of the interview, that you can understand much better the emotions of the potential customers, then you have a match because you you can uh, you can understand what they need and then you can personalize your proposal for uh, exactly those needs. So with uh, the digital context and the technology, it's uh, it's a great uh, atmosphere. 
Thank you. We have just have time. We usually do predictions at this part of the show, but I think we've had a really good conversation. I'm going to ask each of you a personal question, answer it or not. Let's start out with Dr. Stefan Winkler at Opsis, and then I'm going to close. Very quickly, do you have a favorite brand? We're not advertising anything, kids. We're just talking about a favorite brand that is extraordinary in terms of customer experience for you as the customer. Stefan, quickly, then JJ, think about one, and Erica, and then we got to close. J- Stefan, first. Well, I would go with uh, Singapore Airlines uh, <laughs> since we talked about the airline industry. But uh, it's really a brand that has focused on quality and uh, good customer service all along. And uh, so whenever I get the chance, I-, I try to take them over any other airline and the-, the difference really shows. Thank you. JJ, we're ready for you. JJ Delgado, favorite customer experience brand, quickly. For me, it's uh, Nike. Uh, I, ah. I buy I, all the things online and uh, it has a strong customer experience. You can return anytime for free. And you can personalize your uh, trainees or your uh, staff as you want. Uh, everything on your smartphone. So amazing customer experience from Nike. Thank you. Erica, you're last. What do you think? For me, it's Disney. And, uh, and it's probably because I, you know, I have a small kid, so I've been uh, exposed a lot to that brand. And, and Disney creates magic and uh, since the moment you decide to you know go to Disney Park or Disney Resort and and they keep the magic up uh, in all the interactions so I, I think that that's uh, this is very special what the, what they do and how they do it they do it um, and that would be my favorite brand. Thank you. Thank you, the three of us, three of you for being so flexible and, and I appreciate your honesty there. I have to close the show, but I want to say a shout out. Shannon Platts, we have started your series, The Future of Business with Game Changers, off to a great launch here. And I just appreciate everything you did. April Caldwell, thank you. And Erica, of course, thank you. So here's my call to action. And thank you to Aaron Keller, our engineer extraordinaire at Voice America World Talk Radio, the business channel. I've got 30 seconds. I'm going to talk fast. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Dr. Stefan Winkler at Opsis, just like J.J. Delgado at Estrella de Galicia, and just like Erica Lail-Hakar at SAP. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. I'll be back in one hour, 12 noon Eastern, right here with the future of megatrends. We're talking about future cities. Where will you want to live, work, and play in 2050? I'll help you think out that far. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. And please join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.